Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 68. Two more mm. episodes to go and we hit 70. Mm. Mm. And mm. welcome back. Feeling good. Welcome back, Brendan. Hey, thanks. This is your first time back since the quarantine. Well, not in the office. You've yeah. been out here to the studio twice. But this yeah. is the first time back we've had the chance to do the podcast. I know because you were sick and then I was sick and then everybody was sick and it's just like, it's just horrible, miserable. <laughs> it has been. So welcome this, to winter time. Welcome to winter. January has been the least wintry it's been probably in years. And it here. was like the worst for being sick. Everybody's sick. Is that the catch? It's just warm enough to I let the so. flu bugs and all the viruses survive well? Ugh, I don't know because it's just been so bad. Every one of my family's had some kind of weird sickness <laughs> and it's just, yeah. Oh man. And to have a medical quarantine for two weeks to the Moab trip, that set me off. That was mm. crazy. Yeah. But welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, Brendan. We are going to talk yeah. about that Moab trip that we took right in the beginning of the year. And so today in 68, we're talking like several places that we went to for Sunrise, Sunset, Dead Horse Point, Windows, Star Trails at Balanced Rock, Mesa Arch, Gossip Sunrise, Faults Kiva, and then we'll have a gear time and tip of the week. So I'm stoked to be back, stoked to have you back, and sorry that this podcast is two day, going to be two days late when you guys actually get it, but yeah. since I released that Astrophotog podcast and then released Andrew Marr one, technically we've been... It's been less than seven days since the last podcast, so I okay. think everyone's going to be all right. Okay, guys. Hopefully you guys all got caught up <clears throat> in the meantime. So where, I just mentioned all the locations, but yeah. do you want to give a quick rundown of going down there and what we did? Yeah, so we met up with, um, Kirk flew in from Portland. Yeah. So Kirk Ki Kirk Kies is our listener from Portland, and uh, also Drew Armstrong accompanied him, and we all drove down the four of us together to meet Jeff and Tim in Moab. So that was a really, really awesome trip. And because I was sick, had the flu, Christmas time, mm. I was behind on the last recordings. Because those of you who've done the Milky Way course or purchased the Milky Way course from me, you've probably seen the new Photog Adventure sticker that's back here. It's awesome. So we did some upgrades to the studio wall. And I re-recorded and recorded some for the first time ever of my Milky Way course. So I was thinking, nah, I can't join Jeff and Tim and Ed. All those guys were out there already from mm -hmm. Sunday. And we're talking, we're meeting up with Kirk on Thursday. And so we're like, well, who cares? We'll just join up with them later. Mm -hmm. And then it turned out to be a complete mistake. Yeah, because when we got there, they showed us. No, actually, before we even got there, oh, they yeah, were Instagramming Facebook. and Facebooking oh. um, the pictures Kirk's. they took that very first Sunday and Monday, and it was amazing. Clouds of fog in the bottom <sighs> of the canyons and just amazing sunrises. It was heartbreaking. I think it was Monday morning too, and I get a text from Jeff saying, you should be here. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. I should mm. be there, but I should be there every day. No, no, no. He didn't like, just no, mean that. Really. <laughs> you Once in a lifetime experience, he says. And he sends me a picture of mm. them in the dark, and I can see them out there at the arch. So I'm like, okay, cool. They're at Mesa Arch. I should be there. That'd be a lot of fun. And then he shows me what his other camera saw. Mm. And uh, it was a pillowy abyss 
of just cottony clouds all inverted into the canyon. You look through Mesa Arch over a blanket, a sea of clouds, and the sunlight and the sunrise. You had a sunrise above the arch of hitting everything and a sunrise filling the clouds. So, Mm. I mean, you had color Mm. everywhere. Mm -hmm. It was a a once-in-a-lifetime shot. And because I thought, you know what, I'm going to get some more work done, I missed it. And then Joshua Snow posted... A picture on Instagram too. Almost as we were driving, as we as we were driving down there, (laughs) I saw it on the Instagram feed pop up. Nice job, Josh. That was was a great shot too. Are you kidding me? That looks amazing. They went down a dead horse point that second day and got those clouds. And Mm. Joshua Snow was over at the Mesa Arch. Right. Two days in a row. Once in a lifetime. It could have been twice in a lifetime. Yeah. It was zero for us. And we were days later, and none of that happened for us. But. (laughs) <laughs> that being said, we hit some really awesome spots. We got some pretty good shots, some really fun photos. The sunsets were pretty good for us the first few days. Yeah. And it was just, it was a lot of fun. It really was. So we have a lot of places to cover. So we're going to do a quick run through of all the locations. We had sunrise, sunset, sunrise, sunset, and talk the Moab trip. So sunset at windows. Mm. <sighs> what did you like about it? You've been there before. We were actually just yeah. out there with Josh and uh, Raphael Pons, but we yeah. went to a different side. Yeah, we did. Actually, it was almost the same side. It was just lower down. Um, but it was so dark, we couldn't even tell where we were. Well, that's true, because when we went out at the nighttime for the Milky Way, we went around mm-hmm. with Justin. We were on the bottom, but this time we went through it. And and I was at the top thinking, I think I can go through here. And hey. what's funny thing is I had been down through that arch um, with my kids like two years before. And so subconsciously, I'm just like, yeah, I can do this. But then I'm like, <laughs> But it's dark. It's pitch black. I probably you shouldn't risk, not risk it. it. Yeah, because I could have easily have broken a leg or something. Oh, so, for broke, sure. Or, or you know, strain an ankle or something. So, <laughs> um, so Windows was really awesome. And uh, the great thing about that is when we went through the window and then walked around the corner, there's a little bit of an outcropping that we can stand on. And the five of us barely fit on there. Yeah, this ledge that we climbed out to. Or six of us. I guess there was Tim, Drew, Kirk, myself, you... Jeff, and then two other people showed up. Yeah, true. So there were six of us in our group, and then two other people, so there was eight of us total. Yeah. Barely able to huddle over and figure out a way to get <laughs> pictures of the sunset through this arch. It, Tim was getting fresh with me because he kept putting his tripod legs through <laughs> between my tripod legs, and they're really low to the ground. And so he's got his head down there right next to my legs almost the entire time. <laughs> I was like, hey, how's it going, man? <laughs> yeah, a little awkward. Hey, Doug, how's it going? Yeah. I want to do the voice of Cord now. <laughs> hey, Mick. Don't we all? Hey, Mick. So, um, <laughs> if you guys haven't seen Thor Ragnarok yet, get out there and see it. It's freaking hilarious. Well, it's going to be on video soon enough. So It is coming out March 20th, March 6th, February 20th on iTunes. I know this. Out. I really, really love it. It's going to be for available. But yeah, so Tim was getting fresh with me down there. We're overlapping tripods. We're trying to make things work out on this ledge and not yeah. fall off of it because the front of it is a drop off of, eh, you mm. know, 20 feet. Maybe 30, 40 feet. Maybe 30, maybe. 40 feet. It's yeah. not like a death trap you can land and just break something but you could also hit it wrong and die so we had to be careful plus everyone's cameras we didn't want to kill Mm -hmm. and so we're out there squeezing in and (sighs) there is a perfect shot that you have that tells the story well drew had situated himself in just the the highest part of that rock like the little peak of the rock Mm -hmm. he had set up his tripod right there he got there like when he's one of the first out there so he made sure he got like his spot, you know, <laughs> up there at the high part of the rock. And I actually took a couple of shots of him um, halfway around. So it's kind of like this half circle to go through the arch and you walk around the side to get to the part where you can 
look back through the through the arch. Yeah, so, so you're on the east side of the window, the large mm-hmm. window that's looking through it towards turret arch. Right. So you can get turret arch and the east, all of this in one shot. And so when I was on the north side of that half loop, uh, I stopped, and you were wondering what I was doing because I was taking my time. Yeah, I was wondering where the heck you <clears> went. But yeah, and I just and I had just. Um, Got a couple pictures of Drew that might look kind of cool because it's like he was up there on the top of that rock and you guys were down there below him. And then this cool valley, which is like on the other side of the guys, um, that I actually got a couple pictures with my phone. You have it right there because was it glowing back there? Oh, yeah. So the glow was was back there. You had these pillars coming up. It wasn't really like arches per se, but it was those cool like red rock pillars. (laughs) And Drew was like seriously standing like right here below this particular image that I took with my iPhone. And, um, so these pictures are available on our Instagram. If you guys aren't following us on, on Instagram, go ahead and check those out. Or you can check out the show notes at photogadventures.com forward slash EP68. You'll have mm-hmm. all these images right there. And if so I remember, I'll put a note down right now. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I, I took some shots of Drew and then I continued to walk around and I, and I was to the right of Drew taking pictures in between you guys. And then I wanted to move over some more to the left. And it was very precarious because that was really like not much room there at all. No. And it was very similar to the rock that we were talking about, uh, North Carolina, at the Linco Viaduct. So right. it was a very similar situation. Spacious. Yeah, this was definitely had more space in general. But then when I had to prop up my like tripod next to his, and it was just all precarious, I was like, oh, this is just like in North Carolina. <laughs> but when I was in between those two shots, I decided to – Drew was just kind of looking out, and I was just like, oh, stay there. And I just, you know – serendipitously just kind of took, took a couple shots and uh, just did a couple a couple bracketed shots of his um, his lower half of his body basically facing so the window. So torso down to feet? Torso down to feet, yeah, and his tripod legs. And you can see that he's clearly like setting up a picture, but it's like kind of subliminal. Yeah. And when I went home and popped this image, I'm just like, oh my gosh. And I just like started working on it. And I sent <laughs> you guys like, this is one of my favorite shots so far. <laughs> Turned into one of your favorite sunset shots. And it's totally unintentional. Shot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cool hero shot. I like mm-hmm. it. And it shows Drew in action. If only it showed his whole face, I guess, to be something for him to keep as a souvenir. Mm. Well, the other shot anybody. the other shot that I do have, the other shot I do have of him from the other angle that what my, my he might like. So. so here's first what didn't go well for me. And it was going well. I was doing a time lapse. Mm. And in this place and every place from here on out, I was capturing time lapses. I was having a lot of fun with just, here's my composition. I found what I want to do. I'm going to catch the sun going down or having mm. the sun come up and the moon rising and stuff like that. So I kept doing time lapses. One thing is, is that I don't have a bulb ramper, and so I've been using auto ISO. And unlike in Yosemite, where I didn't do auto ISO, I didn't have any of the shutter variations that causes a flicker. Mm-hmm. None of the flickering was happening. But all throughout these time lapses, when I got home to put them together, every single one of them flicker. They flicker oh. like crazy. It's just the auto ISO is deciding to make changes as it goes through. And so you see it in one exposure, then it goes to another exposure, then it goes to another exposure and they're kind of harsh. Oh, it so instead of ramping. doing a soft ramp, it's doing no. this really weird, okay. And so you mm. see it go in and out, in and out, and then adjusting to try and capture, oh, the sun's through a cloud, so now bring it up. Mm. Now the sun's behind a cloud, or out of the cloud, so it's really bright, bring it down. And so it was doing these things up and down, up and down, because of the mm. clouds, the nature of the sun going through clouds caused a lot of changes, and so it was worse, more worse than normal. The, the hmm. easiest going one was the morning of Mesa Arch, but because lights and headlamps kept coming on, you get flicker anyway. Oh. And so it didn't, I couldn't avoid it. And so it's just when you have changing conditions, clouds blocking light and re- 
relieving the light, letting light through, and then blocking it again. Auto ISO is terrible for mm. your time lapse. So I will never do that again. I am just going to set it for one setting and let it go, especially at night like that, and just let it underexpose itself eventually or let it overexpose itself in the sunrise eventually because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a more interesting sun, uh, time lapse than a flickering back and forth one. Mm. LR time lapse can help fix those flickers and help you adjust those kind of situations. Kirk has told me about it, showed me it, and honestly, I I, I just have to wait till I have a lot of energy to figure out that because LR yeah, time lapse yeah. is very powerful, very confusing. So that was my first what didn't go well because right there at the windows, I'm capturing this cool sunset. It's going behind turret arch, and then the sun goes the nice, awesome starburst, you know, right there on the edge of the arch, like the interior mm-hmm. of the arch rock. And then it goes behind it, and the colors get bro- really blonde, really white, and and yellow and orange, and then they go away. And I was like, yes, that's going to be perfect. And if it didn't flicker so much, it would have been perfect. Mm. But in so, the end, it was mm. kind of a cool shot. If you guys want to picture this shot, uh, down in the notes, you'll see one example. It's got the full interior of the arch, which becomes kind of like the rock face is your vignette of the mm-hmm, image, and mm-hmm. it frames everything that's inside of it. So it's pretty interesting. I like it. Maybe I'll put all these time lapses up anyway, even though they suck. And yeah, just it shows a them. good example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. show the flickering, because it's not bad. I have all of them ready. I'll do that. Yeah, so... Um I know that this is a problem that some Canons have and maybe other cameras have similar things where auto ISO isn't the best option for that. So we need to do a little bit, we need to do a little bit more experimenting and actually yeah. figure it out. I've, I've been really able do. to successfully do some time lapses um, before, but I've never set it to auto ISO. And so maybe that's the key is that, but sometimes I still get a little bit of the aperture flicker, flicker, but it's not like it would be as rampant as the auto ISO would be. So, yeah. And that's true because the next day I did auto, um, I auto exposure or auto I went into aperture priority mode so that I can pick my prior my aperture mm-hmm. and it stayed there and then it adjusted the other settings for me both of them both ISO and shutter but that seemed to work out more smoothly I can't tell if it's because of the conditions of just the sunrise being you know one way and then coming pretty smoothly up and no clouds I didn't um, take pictures when the sun was out only as the sky changed color so I wonder if that's part of the challenge is the clouds interrupting the sun brightness and so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and depending on your intervals you could have mm-hmm. a long break and have it like a change of light that's so sudden because during mm-hmm. that break it made a quick change but mm-hmm. if you're going every three seconds like i was it probably isn't that bad mm. and so aperture priority mode versus auto iso on manual i'll have to compare them and mm. just see what the conditions are now all right i'll admit it i purchased a 5d mark IV. You did. I did. And I would say I was a pretty loose term. A PayPal credit <laughs> digital rep representation of Aaron King purchased a 5D Mark IV. <laughs> and so I have a new body. And so now I have two bodies. And I can do that. I can put them mm-hmm. both together, borrow your Tamron, have the both lens, same lenses, oh, yeah. different camera bodies, though, and then just one run one on aperture priority, one on manual with auto ISO, and then switch and then see what ends up happening between them. That's a good idea. It'd be really fun. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Anything else that went really well for your sunset at Windows? Um, Did Tim get fresh with you ever with your tripod legs? No. No, but we got to laugh <laughs> um, at you guys together, though. That was good. <laughs> oh, we at least we laughed together. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> if Jeff kept yelling out to people to move, and he's like, if those guys don't move in five minutes when that sun gets down, I'm going to yell at them. I'm going to get pissed. Because there's people constantly coming up into the arch. Into the arch and sitting. And deciding in, yeah. to watch the sunset from the arch. You're like, you're, 
guys, you're standing right between us. And so he was getting ticked, and Tim was saying he would not clone them out. He's like, they're going to ruin my shot because I refuse to clone them out, and then if they're there, my shot's over. Mm. Luckily, that group of kids moved before it got great. Yeah, and and what's great about that arch is that there's actually some sitting area up at the top left-hand side of the arch, and so, and I don't mind that at all. Like They were out of the way enough for me to clone them. I don't, even, I don't even care not to clone them out because it shows scale, which is great. Oh, okay. And so these, there's a two or three, you know, um, college age kids or so, like sitting up there, up on this, uh, these giant, you know, stepping stones that are there, at the corner of the arch, and it's great because they're there, and they actually add a sense of scale because you can see how tiny they are and how you can really see how massive that hole <laughs> and that arch is, you know? That's true. And in my shots, the stuff in the time lapse, unless there's people there, you really can't tell. It mm-hmm. looks like it could be a tiny window that I'm really close to mm-hmm. instead of a giant archway. Right. So there's merit to having people in your shots to some degree. But, <laughs> and it was yeah. unlike his brilliant sunrise over at Mesa Arch and Dead Horse Point, Jeff was saying that their sunsets have all been kind of a bust. And that was the first sunset with color. That was the best sunset of the week. So we were pretty happy that we brought that. We were optimistic that we'd have a great day the next day. Mm -hmm. But before the next day, we wanted to do some star trails at a balanced rock. Yeah. So we went back uh, in town. We got some food and then went back out to get our star trail shots at balanced rock. Yeah, it's... You guys have probably seen the shots where people have Polaris right above the balanced rock, and it's spiraling around. Well, we're here to tell you that, uh, you know, Polaris, it's always in the north, so it's not like seasonally it's one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those shots you're seeing are faked. You just Depending on which direction they're facing? Yeah, because of the way that they have the silhouette of balanced rock, it's from the other side. Because mm. if you see the sharp edge of balanced rock, and if you see Polaris above that, then eh, eh, Exactly. Because from, nor- from the south looking north, you're going to get the round or bulbous part of the balanced rock, mm-hmm. which is what I got in my shot. And it still looks cool. I'm still happy with it. It does. It's just not quite the silhouette that's recognizable mm. initially as balanced rock. You yeah, end up yeah. kind of losing the shape change between the top and the pedestal of it. Mm-hmm. And so it's just not quite there, but I liked it a lot. So we set up where the whole group went out there. We got two lights on there in the distance, mm-hmm. low-level lighting this rock, knowing we're all going to do star trails for the next hour. And we're getting set up and everything Everything went really smooth. I think some of mm-hmm. us had some trouble of making sure how we want to do the setting and how about the camera to run. But it was just really fun to have that hour where you get your camera on and run it on time lapse, you know, again for me. How did you do it? Because I know Jeff likes to do long exposures, but like a few of them, like eight long exposures mm. and stacks those. I like to do every, you know... 13 seconds, another exposure, yeah, and then stack them up. So that's yeah. what you did too? Because at the end of the day, I had about 30 images that I did um, my star trails with. And in the comet setting, it looks really nice. It does. I definitely feel like it was probably too short of a time. I needed an hour and a half. And what I really ended up with in the end, after the initial headlamps and everything were flashing and everywhere... I probably got only about an hour, an hour, 50 so Mm -hmm. minutes of actual footage before everyone needed to leave. So like an hour and a half would be just right. Another thing is my most favorite Star Trail image, the moon rose during it and a Mm. small moon, not a very, very bright full moon. But because of that, the sky became more blue and this sky was so dark, like a copper tone to it with 
black. Mm. And so the way my star trail looks is all of the orange and yellow and red stars really stand out in the trailing. Mm -hmm. And I tried to make sure, if you guys have never done star trails before, if you choose a too high of an exposure, like a typical Milky Way exposure, you're going to get every star in frame and all of them are going to be moving. And then you basically have 1,000 circles on your page when you could have only like 30 circles on your page with the lower underexposed option. And then it kind of is nicer, but it's all, you know, a personal preference. And Mm -hmm, so I was mm -hmm. going for something like 30. I wanted to have an underexposed shot that had only the brightest stars and just had a little bit less busyness, not so many Mm. parallel concentric circles, you know, and it was, I I liked it a lot. I just got to get my foreground looking nice. So it's recognizable, nice looking rock. And then I'm set and then I'll have to share it. I don't even think I'll have it ready for the show notes, but I'll get it out there soon, guys. I might have mine ready for show notes because I'm mostly done with it. And well, the dang airplanes, the dang airplanes. So if you go anywhere in Southern Utah to take star trails or even time-lapse or anything, you're going to get those darn airplanes in the way especially for star trails because you're in the same spot over and over and over again. And <laughs> there was like four planes that came right into there. our, yeah, into, into my frame. So it looks like I've got lasers shooting at bounce rock because the airplanes <laughs> are going against that. It's just like, ah, oh, man. So the work, the work that I have to do now, cause I went through to did an initial star trails with mm-hmm. the star stacks from yeah, star stack Mac. software. I think it's Mac PC and Linux, isn't it? It does Star even Stacks. have Linux. Yeah. And so um, StarTex is a great option for you guys if you are on, on any platform. But um, I've got to go back into Lightroom and clone out every single you know, airplane trail for 30 images. Yep. And then I've got to re-export them. And then I can bring them back into StarStack. So maybe I won't have those done for the show notes. That's so. something I just forgot that was part of my steps that I had left. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And now there's different ways to process your star trails. If you do them like myself and Brendan using star stacks, you are going to have to remove your airplanes. But mm-hmm. because they're moving and because if you take all of your all of your frames and then you take it into Photoshop and do a, you know, smart object blend mode mm-hmm. and you do um, median So if you bring them all together, make a smart object, and then you cause the filter to be median, it actually removes. Oh, that's true. The star, uh, the plane trails. And then, can you still twirl them? Well, they're twirling already because they're combining all those ones. They're not auto aligning them back. Oh, that's right. It's just causing them to have a median between. That's something I was going to try this time too, and see how. Turned out as so well. you can cut your corners there on fixing airplanes like mm-hmm. that. I wanted the comet feature of Star Stacks, and so Which I'm I still going like to go for it. Yeah. I know I, it looks I like so it. nice. You could you know? do it in Photoshop, but then you have to literally change your opacity in increments. From if you do a hundred of them, you got to change from zero to a hundred mm. in a nice consistent increment. And well, I don't want to do it that way. That I sounds only have like thirty images. I could do thirty. Oh, you certainly could. Like maybe do them in 3% increments, I guess. That yeah, whatever work. the math okay. is that makes it consistent, okay. you could do it yourself in Photoshop. Yeah, I that would probably take less time than cloning out every single airplane shot in 30 images really? versus... It yeah, probably it would. Might, it might be faster. So, I'll <laughs> so try if you it. guys are understanding what we're saying, if you're not understanding what we're saying, Comet Mode basically has a line of star, you know, a star trail line. And instead of having it all be evenly the same shape, all the way from end to beginning to end, you have at the very beginning, you actually have it at 5% opacity. And then you just keep going up from yeah, there. So it's, it, it automatically fades it to the, high, to the mm-hmm. last frame, which is really cool. And really so fun. being low opacity to full opacity, it kind of looks like a comet instead of looking like a bunch of you know, similar shaped 
circles all stacked next to each other. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a cool look. Really love it. I figured it out from Eli Locardi. So I always mm. mention Eli Locardi. He's awesome. Yeah. So then after the Star Trails at Balanced Rock, we had our next morning over at Mesa Arch. And oh, we should talk about Mesa Arch and the Mist Window Sunset. And then we'll go into segment two. So we're in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Sorry, let's go to segment two a little bit after this. So we'll go into Mesa Arch. Uh, you guys ever been to Mesa Arch? You've never been there yourself, except for when you and I found it with Justin, right? Yes. That was both of our second time there ever. Right. Okay. Right. So the first time I got a picture of you, it's on our Instagram feed with you looking over the arch with a pool of water reflecting your back. Oh yeah. I love that shot. And it's a cool shot. And um, it's, a, I think it's a shot that most people, even though it was a daytime shot, I don't think most people actually can get that shot because there's usually not a pool of water there. I mean, I'm sure it happens regularly, but yeah, yeah it's not but something it's not, that's always going to be It's a there. rare shot, I think, which is, I was kind of cool. I was, I was kind of cool that I could capture that. Even though it was just with, with my phone, I was happy that I could capture that shot because I know it was, I, I knew it was a rare shot even when I took mm-hmm. it. I was like, dude, there's a reflection here, and I don't think this happens very often. It's a <laughs> desert, you know? So. And so when we went there the first time, we went there in the middle of the day. Yeah. We had never been there when you're supposed to be there. And when you're supposed to be there, because of the nuts the nuts, nuts, nuts <laughs> amount of people that show up to this place. Jeff is like, okay, guys, we're waking up at like 3 a.m. Well, 4. No, four. we had to be there by 4. Really? Yeah, because then we got oh, there at 4. That's why it hurt so much. Or we got there at 5. I'm sorry well, we to not there, remember, but yeah, I know we got, we got, I we got there. there at 4. We got there at 5. Sometimes I was at 6. We had an hour to stay because no one else is in the parking lot. Yeah. We get there in the dark, and since there weren't any other cars in the parking lot, you basically can stay there until the first car shows up, and you got to book it. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, it's a race. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't see anyone show up even an hour later. And so at this point, we're starting to walk over. And I think at that point, it's 5 a.m., not 6. Because 6 it seems too black. late in the morning. Yeah, it was it was probably about 5, yeah. So at 5 a.m., we start making our way in. And after all the teasing that I have received from getting lost, from the nickname that I've received to be GD, George Donner from Rob Ryan, following Jeff, following... Okay, Jeff is going to claim that this is not totally true. <laughs> Technically... I was in front of Jeff, but only because he had a headlamp and I forgot mine. Mm. And so he was guiding my path. And my other mishap that, you know, classic Photog Adventure mishap, I went to Moab for a week and forgot my hiking shoes. I only had my little loafer sketchers that I usually wear in the car. And when I got out there, I was like, oh, we're at Windows. I'm like, I don't have hiking boots. Nope. I left them. Uh, yeah, they're sitting ready to go at the front of the garage, kind of pointing out the door, ready mm. to go, and I left them. They're crying out for you. <laughs> Bring me. Wait, you forgot wait, us. Wait up. <laughs> we don't want to be in this dark garage anymore. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I can't believe you left me. <laughs> I left them. And ugh, so I'm in these shoes that have no tread. I'm going to slip around a lot. There's not mm. only just slippery rock, sandstone, and stuff, but, but there's ice. It was cold, ice too. It was like cold. 20. Between 20 and 40 degrees every morning. And And I've got these slip-ons that barely cover up to my ankle. And so it was chilly, (laughs) and I'm trying not to sprain my ankle. So I'm using his light, but behind me, so that I can see all the shadows, you know, Mm -hmm. make sure I can recognize where the trail goes up and down. So I was still following Jeff, but from front of him. But he will claim that that legally makes me bound to being (laughs) the person that got us lost. Because I technically went past the spot we should have. It was so dark, and I was though. It was him. so pitch black. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't see anything. I was, I don't know where we were. When you're and on I, the trail in the daylight, you could see Mesa Arch right, right yeah, there. But yeah. we somehow walked right past it. Yeah. So we got there eventually. <laughs> Jeff we got us lost. We were still the first ones there. Jeff got us lost. 
It's on the podcast, Jeff. It was you. Of course, I'm the one who's saying it, so it probably doesn't stand up in court. Mm. Well, I was behind all of you, so I know when Jeff's like, wait a minute, who need to go this way. And then he turned and went the right direction. And oh, crap. Uh, now you're formally giving him credit for finding the right way. Well, we were all following him, and we didn't know where we were until he, said it. We're he all realized. Following yeah. Jeff. <laughs> as far as I knew that we were following Jeff, I didn't know that you were anywhere near <laughs> in front of him or anything. So. See, exactly. All right, witness. Yeah. So when we got there, we're the only ones there. It's mm-hmm. starting to get light enough that you can see the silhouette of the arch, and it's starting to see the distance, but the moon is rising. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. awesome, the moon is coming up over the arch, and it's rising. And it's a crescent, even mm-hmm. though in my time lapse, it just looks like a white dot. Yeah, yeah. There's no crescent. But I'm like, time lapse. And so we all get set up. And, you know, everyone was so huddled together, myself, you. Kirk and Drew, I know Kirk has been there, but Drew, myself, and you haven't done this before. Mm-hmm. And so we all thought, well, why is everyone so danged close? I mean, Tim, once again, put his tripod like between mine, mm-hmm. and then Jeff was right next to me touching mine, and then you're right next to here. And then we squeezed in Drew between mine and t- – actually, Tim went to your side – between yeah. mine and Jeff's. And so we're literally – tripods have legs underlapping <clears throat> and touching almost the other side of each other's legs. And so it's like, there's only six of us here. Why are we all jammed up right in this spot? We thought maybe it was just the best spot, and it really was a fantastic spot mm. to be. But it's just over the morning – Dozens of people showed up. With, yeah, over the next half an hour to 40 minutes, yeah. about 20 people showed up and they were all trying to like, they're like, they're like chicken vultures, like looking around, like trying to peck in between our tripods. Like they're like, <laughs> sco- like they're like, they're going back and forth and scoping to see if they could fit like, in between. She's like, there. oh, can I fit in here? Can I fit in here? And I'm like looking around, like, holy cow, man, like back off. Like, like <laughs> go over there. There's plenty of space. <laughs> Like seriously, if they could get their camera body, every new photographer bodies, that came, they were gonna fit. Yeah, every new photographer that came <laughs> up the trail was just like looking around, like, huh, 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 where? Huh? It's just like, dude, go over there. There's some <laughs> space over there. Don't try to think yeah. you can squeeze between me and my friend over here. This is just crazy. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was kind of funny. I'd never really experienced that before because it was the middle of winter too. I mean, this is January. I mean, yeah, it was like a Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, but oh, yeah, still. It was. Still, most of these people were not from Utah. They were all from other places. Oh, all over. And um, of quite a few of Europeans and some of the people from Canada. And I mean, it was just nuts. And so um, even in the middle of winter, it's still a busy place. And I'm thinking, I do not want to be here during spring or summer. <laughs> It'd be crazy. <sighs> Can you imagine? And then I mean, Jeff saw, the... and Jeff saw, I've seen brawls here before. <laughs> brawls, actual fights. Like, this fight, yeah. <laughs> you kicked my tripod. You bumped it. Oh my gads. It it was cordial and great, but I was annoyed. Like once I got my shot, even though there was still plenty of great light, plenty of stuff to capture, I'm like, I'm out. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. I packed up my camera and my tripod and just walking around because I just I was claustrophobic with all the people there. <laughs> right. It was it was unsettling. Like maybe they would push me out the hole and down because if you've been to Mesa Arch. If you go down that hole, man, you are done for. I stood over that hole and I looked and I thought, oh man, just one false move. I mean, just. It's like at least 100 feet, maybe two, and it's like straight rock underneath and it's just a sheer straight cliff. It's bizarre that the Mesa Arch hasn't itself sheared off the rock wall yet. It's so weird, yeah. It's hanging out. It really is a matter of time because when you go to the side of the arch and look at that crack between the wall and Mm -hmm. the arch. It's like teetering. And you're like, dude, this thing can go anywhere between now and the next 20 years, this arch will be gone. <laughs> next like you thousand know? years, it'll still be there somehow. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But if, if if just the right conditions happen, that thing could fall off and 
it'd be the end of Mesa Arch, which would be really sad. Yeah, it will be devastating. So get out there before you can. And man, if you can avoid it, don't go in the spring and summer because winter, cold weather, it's crazy busy. Yeah, like it's cold, but if you pack well and you wear some nice wool socks and you wear gloves and you're, you know, wear enough layers and you should be okay. I never once felt uncomfortable. But I really want to go back in the winter when there's snow on top of the arch because those shots I really admire and I really want to get my own. Thank goodness we live so close and we can literally just watch the weather and go, oh, let's go. I know. And and this year we haven't had that. It's been once, that one snowfall a couple weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. So I'm kind of thinking about maybe this next this next season coming up. So, so we need to keep our eyes out for like November, December yes. of this we'll be coming year. And man, gotta get down there. And get, <laughs> I'm excited to try it. And that. we're going to get our own inverted cloud, beautiful, yes. amazing once in a lifetime shot. And we'll bring Jeff most likely because I'm not a jerk. I'm not, I'm not going to hold a grudge that he has an awesome shot and I don't. Right. Right. Of course he might just be like, you know what? King is too early. I've already got my shot. It's true. He's <laughs> nailed it. So so Mesa Arch, what a beautiful arch. Now, just the logistics of photography, maybe we should mention, you've got a starburst that happens on the horizon, mm. and then the star, the star, the sun, well, it is a star, rises through, and there's big old, big old bloom, and then it starts getting blocked by the top part or the under part of the top of the arch. And, and creates so, another star. Another starburst. Yeah. And so you got this awesome shot, then another awesome shot, and then this awesome shot. It was kind of tough to decide where I wanted it. And as I'm trying to compose my image, I kept the top part of the arch and blue sky above. And mm-hmm. Kirk comes over and says, you know, King, whenever I go back and look at my picture, I'm always bored by the top part of my image in the end. I kind of regret it. He's like, I just cut off the top part of the rock and crop it out. Just crop out the top part of the rock. You won't want that sky. It never gets that interesting. Mm. Just focus on what the top, like the the rock itself hitting the top of your frame and then opening up to the arch. And he was right. Mm. When I look at both of those images side by side. And in the end, that's kind of what I did as well. You had the sky. What do you think? I mean, it's not like it's a disappointing shot. It has a good organic shape that's higher on one side and low on the other. Yeah, because I was at the very furthest to the left, um, I composed this to be just almost end to end of the arch, and I kind of want to get a shot from the other side now, where you can actually see the um, the w- washing. What is it? The the women over there, the women's. So they're you know washerwomen. Is it what it's called? Those I can't remember because the gossips were the other place. I think it's the washerwomen. I think it's, the washer the I think it's washer called the washerwomen or something like that. Yeah. Okay. And but I love how red that gets when the when the sun oh. just barely peaks over the horizon. Oh, yeah. That red glow, and I told people in the Instagram feed, look, this is not. I had to desaturate the reds <laughs> in this. This is actually how red it gets in real life. It's nuts. Yeah. It's. Perfectly angled, just perfect. And I was angled. okay with this because I was wide and I didn't want to go any lower because then I would have seen like camera pieces or tripod legs or something. But I actually have the moon. Look, I actually have the moon in my shot. You can see it just hey, barely pixelated yeah, there. Yeah, and a daylight looking moon. That's and, awesome. And um, so I, I, kind of just le- I just kind of just left it. But as you notice though, the sky is very minimal. Right. Mind, I brought it down as low, on. about as low as I could and uh, without being too too crazy, so. And I've got my two versions. I've taken both. So what's going to happen is tonight I won't send this podcast out. I'll do it tomorrow morning so that I can get those th- those two pictures on there mm-hmm. just to show the example. They won't be heavily processed, but you'll be able to see, you know, the two examples of composition. But Mesa Arch, beautiful. I kept oh, wanting yeah, to go back awesome. every morning for the chance of the clouds, but we figure that you need to have like a really 
moist. You need to have like a really warm, wet. a really warm day, and then a really cold, cold day, day after it. Yeah, brings up the moisture from the warm day throughout the night, and then the cold keeps it everything down right mm-hmm. it keeps all of the moisture that's going up into the air from going too high right it makes, and it makes that blanket yeah yeah so we need to we need to figure out a day when it's like you know like a freakish like 40 to 50 degree day and the next day like a cold front comes in and brings like a 20 degree day yeah. and that's the key that we need to go and try in those and i think that kind of plus maybe even a rainstorm or something because oh, they yeah, had storms did, over yeah. the weekend true yeah yeah so you get extra moisture not just the moisture mm-hmm. from the river down below but extra moisture right right so that was a beautiful sunrise and a beautiful morning oh, i mean great. we went to bed after balanced rock at probably what one mm. and then woke up at three thirty, so we can leave at four and get there at five it was rough Oh my gosh, yeah. it was so rough. Oh yeah, yeah. We so, went straight back after breakfast and went to sleep. Yeah, we got breakfast we at the hotel like hours, and just slept we? just so that we can wake up again for the next sunset. Yeah. And we were going to go to Faults Kiva that night and that was the first that was the terrible time for me not to have hiking boots. Mm. But luckily as we're heading there we realized it just wasn't going to be a good enough sky to make the hike worth it. So we mm-hmm. canceled that and went back and went over to the windows and on our way driving back a uh, Jeff says to us, he's going to go to the hotel and grab something. And we're like, do you guys need anything? Let's grab some stuff. And we wanted to get some lenses when we went down there. So let's go get some lenses. We pulled into the hotel room, grabbed them, and then went. Unfortunately, I never said anything to Drew when Kirk and I were talking to Jeff as he's waiting for you and Drew to come back. Mm-hmm. He mentions he's going to do long lens photography. And when Drew came back, I didn't say, hey, did you make sure you have your long lens with you? And he left his in the room. And he it? left it in the room. So we drive from the hotel in Moab all the back out to arches and go up to the spot where the windows are he realizes we're all going to do long lens photography i wasn't planning on it because i was going to borrow jeff's i didn't have one on Mm -hmm. me and he goes i wish i had my long lens he has his new sony his new g glasses g master glass Mm -hmm. and we're like no no dude we, it's our fault. We should have warned you. Let's go back and get them. So we drove all the way back and then came all the way back to that point. And by the time we got to that point, what did we have? 10 minutes? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know how your guys went, but I'll tell yours, tell you guys mine real quick. I'm getting my stuff out of the back and I put my camera together, have my tripod on my shoulder and I have only a wide angle lens. I'm not going to go join them and do the same shot. I'm going to go out into this, get up close mm-hmm. to some of the red rock and have a cool time lapse of the red rock turning to shadow and the color in the sky going and, and you know, just trying to capture what I could. I'm halfway out to my, I'm halfway out to my rock and I see that the rock in front of me, it's in shadow already. I look around and I see the top parts of oh. those rocks and over there are starting to lose and I can see the line moving up. And I look behind me and those rocks have some still, but they're moving up and ah, just dejected, disheartened. Mm. I put that tripod back up on my shoulder and I just kind of walked back to the car. And I got back to the car, put my stuff away and then stood next to the car, put on some music in my headphones and thought, I'm just going to enjoy the sunset. Just take it slow and enjoy the rest of it as I watch the cool sky over there. Even though the sunlight wasn't going to hit my rocks, I wanted to at least see it happen. And it looked really cool, really yellow with some cool clouds. And mm-hmm. I just enjoyed it. How did yours go? I did a time lapse. That This is going to be the second day. That's so maybe the that's second the same, day. Not the same time. Yeah. The first day was I had my 100 millimeter set up and... Um, well, Jeff actually was cool. He's he let me use his um, seventy two hundred that he have set up. Okay, and so he just unscrewed his body from real fast. He's like, "Hey, go ahead and use it." I'm like, "Sweet!" And so I set mine <laughs> yeah. up, and I did a and I did a nice pano 
with his beautiful, really right stuff, Nodal Slider. Oh, that's I talk about that in gear time. Slider? It was amazing. <laughs> um, so I set, so I set my camera up there. Did a really nice pan, um, pano of it was it was landscape orientation, but I probably did about six images. And when I went home and stitched those together, they stitched so easily, so beautifully. And my wife was sitting there. She's like, "Whoa!" She could tell. Like what? Like that's amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, look at this one. I did 100% detail. She's like, whoa. You know, <laughs> you like, zoomed in to yeah, the full because resolution. it was a really wide panel because I went from all the way over to like, um, man, how far over from the, from like those crazy rock formations all the way through the windows. You could see the mountains with snow-capped mountains in the background mm-hmm. and all the way over to where it tapers over into the sun set, you know, and so all of that's in frame. And when you zoom in, you can see like the detail of like the snow capped mountains and stuff and all the rock, red rock detail. And then you can see the road winding down in the middle of this pano. And it's just, it's just a gorgeous pano. What a gorgeous view. But it's super wide too. I mean, like this thing is like <laughs> super narrow and super wide. But it's way cool. So, um, so I did that first and that was awesome. Then I went back and I did, and I was going to focus on a rock across the street where the sunset was setting and a little bit of color was still in the sky. And I set up my camera and uh, I'm, I'm on one side of the street and people could drive past me on the street. So I'm set up on one side. I could have easily moved over, but I was already there. So I'm like, yeah, just turn around. Yeah. And um, this car pulls up and stops. He doesn't pull over. He literally stops in the middle of his lane, which is a illegal because you just, stop. <laughs> he didn't and pull he, over to the side. There was no, the no, he, he missed the pullover, which is like a hundred yards back. That's where I was standing crying yeah. and watching the sunset, which there was a spot he could have pulled over there, but he, but he, no, he decided to stop in the middle of the lane, <laughs> get out of the car and proceed to walk around and take pictures of his phone. And the place he stopped was literally between my camera and my <laughs> rock and he literally stopped. I mean, the rock's not huge, in the right? Middle. We're talking he'd have to be pretty precise to be in between you and the rock? No, the rock was like um, 50, 60 feet tall. I mean, it was like- How much of your frame did it take up, though? Was it easy I was at 100 millimeters, so yeah, he literally, his head was literally in the middle <laughs> of my frame. I'm like, dude, oh you could have been anywhere three feet over to left or right, and it would have been fine. But you decided to stop literally <laughs> in the middle of my frame. Uh, so I had to take a picture of that. You took a picture of him. With my regular camera. <laughs> As proof, guys. Tourists will literally, literally do this to you. <laughs> and I got a video with my phone, too, as actual as actual proof as well <laughs> of him. And you can see... <laughs> In the video, so I'm gonna try to po- I'm gonna try to post send the picture in the video to Aaron, <laughs> to post a show notes. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. It'd be awesome. It's unreal, guys. It's unreal. And so, <laughs> couldn't believe it. And uh, after a while, I think his son even got out of the car and was just like, "What's taking you so long?" And it's like, "Oh, you can get in between my frame as well. Why don't you? Why does the a- whole family come over?" Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was um wow, just a wow moment. And that's the and Jeff's shaking season. his head. He's like, "Dude, it happens to everyone. <laughs> it happens to all of us." It's unbelievable what it happens. Can't believe it. Were you doing it. a time lapse too? So you were trying to keep no, every frame? No, it was just a regular shot. You just had to you know. wait for him to move so you can get the good shot. Yeah. Jeez. Did you talk to him? Did you say anything? No. But it was, it was. I I, I held my tongue and Jeff's <laughs> like, dude, trust me, once it happens a couple more times, you won't be holding your tongue anymore. <laughs> so 
I agree. I probably won't. And so, uh, yeah, there's proof of that. I, I wanted to be civil so I could actually make it comical and getting the video was was classic. So I can't wait to share that. And yeah. it's going to be in our YouTube video, so that'd be awesome. So this at this point, it marks 24 hours of being in Moab. We arrived for a sunset, mm. did Star Trail, slept, did Mesa Arch, and then did, you know, I missed the Windows sunset. So that's the first 24 hours of being out there. When we come back, we'll talk about the next day and how we started off at Dead Horse Point. Yeah. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures Podcast. We're talking our trip to Moab, the January Moab trip with Jeff and Kirk and Drew and Tim. What an awesome trip that it was. And oh, yeah. here, 24 hours in, we got some sleep a little bit more. And in fact, a lot of you probably saw it on Facebook, our video of going out to Dead Horse Point. Mm. Second time you've ever been there. First yep. time you've been there without having someone annoy you in the morning. Yes. So that was nice. Oh, and it was nice because we were to sleep in a regular place, like <laughs> in a regular bed at a hotel <clears throat> the no night kidding. before. Oh, and that's the night that my my mattress died on me. My blow up mattress. Ugh, that's yeah. the one that destroyed. I the mean, first night the we third were there. Rest yeah. that I have. Oh yeah, yeah. So Dead Horse Point, if you guys aren't familiar with it, it's like a Grand Canyon esque location where you're looking mm-hmm. down on the river and it it does a gooseneck around a really beautiful terrain and just I mean we're looking at our blog our, our video that was coming for YouTube our vlog that's actually getting edited by a guy who's helping me out in Romania to try and help us get like on track and get some of these backlog videos mm-hmm. and this video that he's doing he keeps showing me clips and Brandon and I saw it we're like wow man I mean just that was from our September trip and just the scenery at oh, Dead Horse Point so cool it, it takes such a good shot it's just so pretty it's such a grand overlook you know Oh, very. And the mesas that are formed out and the goosenecks and around that are just so huge and just, mm-hmm. it's just, your eye can't get enough, can't take it all in. Oh, yeah. And really, I just went there to enjoy it myself, just go and enjoy being there. I hit my camera down and I hit auto, record. I hit my auto ISO again, which unfortunately didn't work out, and did a time lapse. And mm. so I got my composition, the same one from the first video, and just perfected it a little bit enough. And I'm like, okay, I like this a lot. I'm going to try and get this one again mm. and set it up. Time lapsed, watched the whole thing as the sun rose, and so I had nothing else to do. I mean, there's really nothing else to say that went well and didn't go well about this shot because I just hung out with everybody. How'd it go for you? I I, I was jumping around all over the place. Um, because <laughs> we were there last time, I had a little bit of experience with the area in general, and um, I think I got a couple of shots with my same half-dead, half-alive tree which I think is the same. It was, and Jeff confirmed that was the tree. <laughs> that, that was the tree he was at. <clears throat> that I, I think I thought I was right, and I was about that. And uh, so after I did that, and um, I went down because there's actually like so where you wander off to the right of where this pavilion is, there's like a little like brick wall that they made, kind of like a wall rock blocking rock wall you from yeah yeah that kind of stops you from going over the edge of the cliff and falling five hundred. 2,000 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually um, lots of these like staggering cliffs that you can easily get down to. And so actually that rock wall, you'd only fi- fall about 50 feet, really. If from my spot to yours mm-hmm. or where you were, you would only Yeah, because remember 50. I was talking to you and you were right above me, but you couldn't see me because I was on a ledge just <laughs> yeah. below you. Uh-huh. It's crazy because you're just high enough that you can't see the ledge, but it's it's totally there and it's totally like accessible. I might catch myself there if I fall <clears> off. Oh yeah, easily. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because it's a good, it's a good fifteen feet out before it drops again, and so, um, yeah, you could totally 
you totally wouldn't fall straight down. So it's one of those things where I, when I found where you were finally, I kind of had a second thought about not following you out there. <laughs> it seemed really scary. Like, yeah, I'm on this cliff face leaning over what it's like a crow's nest out here. And I'm like, am I going to really enjoy being on this edge? Because once you're there, that's it. I mean, if you fall off that, then you <laughs> are going straight down, man. Yeah. There's nothing to stop you at that point. Ah, uh, but when you walk out on there, it stops feeling all that scary. It says mm. wide as a sidewalk and maybe a little bit oh, more. wider. It was it's wider, wider then. Yeah. And it's just, you don't get the impression that you're feeling you're going to fall off or the wind's going to blow you and there you go and you lose your footing. It feels yeah. very secure. Yeah. And if you're halfway between the middle and the wall, anywhere near the wall or to the middle, you're fine. Once you get past that halfway point, then you start like, then you look down, you look up and you're like, and then you get your stomach feels it. You're just like, whoa, man. Did you do like, that? This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I kind of did, you know. Oh, uh, we never would have known where you went. And uh, I didn't get like to the edge edge, but just getting close enough where you just like look down and you're just like, and then you look back up and you're just like. Get that vertigo. And you realize how far high you are. And, and it's just, it's crazy. Ooh. Yeah. It's so wide. Yeah. It really gets your stomach. And so it's funny because those things didn't really affect me too much as a kid. It seems like the older I get. Mm. the more it really like the stomach gets even churned even more just like oh <laughs> so, survivor survivability sticks yeah. in like i gotta survive i'm even like you just remembering it is giving me like a little bit of that kickback it's just like oh man it's so trippy <laughs> so when you were out there in that ledge do you have anything for a foreground or was it just a vista mm, there was i did a really big vista pano and then i also found on my journey to that big ledge i found smaller ledges that i could get foreground objects um like some dead trees and some other things that were kind of cool, but I wasn't as excited about them as I was with my main shot that I got here that I posted on our Instagram feed is, uh, just kind of a little bit of foreground. I think this is like, um, pretty much close to where you guys were starting at originally. So uh, I kind of like that the best because you can still see the river. You can see the reflection of the river. I was really happy about this particular trip besides our first one, because this one, this time the river was actually like a watercolor versus like oh, the muddy yeah. brown color, which I wasn't too excited about. I remember last you time. complaining about that, just how just ugly it felt to you. Yeah, just like like a it's like a hot chocolate river, and just <laughs> didn't look right, you know. I liked Willow Wonka's chocolate river. I yeah, I mean, you can get I got reflections in the last one too, but then this time it's like the river was a, definitely more of a greenish blue color, and um, and and Jeff was like, oh yes, yeah, because last time it must have been like. A, ton of mud flowing through the river and stuff and really yeah after the a lot of rain and stuff happened. and so this time is a lot more clear you could see it it's a lot prettier the reflection of the sun the sky and everything looks just much better so i was very happy with that result in all the null when it comes to dead horse point i feel like there's some really beautiful terrain really beautiful mm. shots but it's very samey and it's also very busy Mm-hmm. It's hard to focus on any one thing. If you get a foreground element like me, you kind of lose a lot of the awesome vista. If you get right. just the vista in a pano, that's the way to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Is just get the pano, enjoy that, and if you can get lucky and get that inversion of clouds, mm-hmm. that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. That cloud inversion through there, it's just such a different story, different atmosphere. Completely, it's beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. we just haven't seen that yet. And none of our skies have blown up that we've been there for yet. Yeah, it was very subtle. The sunrise is very, yeah. This is the most sky I've gotten, especially more than the last time, the first time we went. And it still um, is very subtle, very, very subtle. So Mm -hmm. 
color is just there in the sky, but not mm-hmm. on clouds, really. Maybe thin clouds. Yeah, which is why I focused mostly in the foreground and just have a very tiny sliver of the sky because the sky wasn't really that interesting. So yeah. I focused more on the actual scenery and the cool rocks or just being highlighted by the by the sunrise. So, so guys, make Dead Horse Point <clears throat> the thing that you go to see. Make it mm-hmm. something on your list because it is gorgeous. You might not come home with a shot that you feel like is any different than anyone else's or a portfolio piece. It's not not a portfolio piece, mm-hmm. but when it comes down to picking 20 of your best pictures, you're probably going to have something that takes over the Dead Horse Point shot. And then eventually you'll get something, you know, That'll be way better if you if you use it now. It'll maybe it'll get taken over later. I'm trying to say hmm. so. Like it's just it's gonna be in your portfolio in the beginning, but it won't last. Is what I'm trying to say. Unless you go back, like you know, and get one of those awesome cloud mm-hmm. shots. Oh yeah. So it's really fun though. I mean, it it is just a beautiful it's worth morning. going just to go your it's own experience. Just so amazing. It's brilliant. It, it is relaxing. Uh, amazing when the sky lights up and you finally see everything mm. and you realize, holy crap, this place is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. It's just astonishing how much is there. Yeah. And so you've got to see it. It's a must, must see, must do. I mm-hmm. uh, hope you get lucky and you get some cloud inversion because it's brilliant. But yeah. when you're done with the Dead Horse Point, don't leave for breakfast right away, especially in the winter. And this is something I learned from Jeff this time is that all around this area, Water pockets where, you know, the the ice and the snow will melt but then freeze. And so every day it looks a little different as it melts again. It's in the middle of the day. It's, you know, soft, you know, it's, it's water again. And then it freezes up in the night. And so you get mm-hmm. these really cool crystals and geometric shapes, puddle bubbles. And it's just all this stuff gets frozen in time. And it looks really cool. And that one day that you capture it, that's the last day. And so we ended up doing a bunch of macro photography of these ice these little puddles that were ice and they're all throughout the area you know just keep looking and walking around yeah yeah don't leave too fast go and enjoy the terrain find some areas where it's just in shadow most of the day that that water doesn't dry up entirely just melts enough to make it so it's a slick thing of water and then it freezes again and does more crystals the next day it's just i'm gonna go find a cool spot and i'm gonna leave my camera and tripod just rolling on a time lapse Mm. and just see the ice Form, the ice melt. Ice form, ice melt. Ice form, ice melt. The heartbeat of Dead Horse Point. That'd be so Mm. cool. And so I want to do that. It was really fun to do. Jeff caught some cool shots, and he was talking about how these shots are just... A lot of fun. You break up, you know, the monotony. You don't mm-hmm. have to only go out during sunrise and sunset, and you have something you can do. And the morning's the best part before it starts melting again. Right. So don't leave too fast in the morning. Well, that's and that's if you're going in the winter time. Obviously, those ice yeah. puddles aren't going to be there in the summer, spring, summer, and fall. But um, that's one thing that I that I did as well. And another thing that I noticed was that when we were when we were just meandering around and taking our time to leave, mm-hmm. is that a lot of these plants and trees and other really cool, interesting things aren't photographable, photographical, photographable, photographable, they're not photographic. They're not photographable until photogenic. The s- no, oh. photographable. <laughs> It's still not following. <laughs> <laughs> They're not photographable until the sun rises. So you can't oh, get you can't shots. See yeah, them. yeah. <laughs> and so when the sun rises, you actually have a chance to photograph these things. Um, little little bushes and these cool gnarly knotted up, you know, um, trunks. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And dead um, wood everywhere. It's just so cool. But you can't get those during the sunrise or even after sunset. So you have to either go before sunset. Maybe golden hour would be a really cool time to go before the sun set and really enjoy the stuff around 
and then set up your shot for your sunset shot. But or some um, cool black and white photography, harsh light in the mm-hmm. day. Yeah, so I had I had a lot of fun doing really close, intimate shots of like rocks stacked up right next to a tree that was half dead, and the lines were completely opposite. Like the rocks were stacked up horizontally, and the tree tree trunk you know grains were going vertically, and so mm. it's just really cool like contrast of lines and stuff and so this this kind of stuff was all over these really cool contrasty objects and uh, yeah it was a lot of fun just to walk around and take pictures of different little things just to see what's see what's available yeah cool things to appreciate yeah so that was our morning and we're still trying to get over all of the tired that we felt so far and i don't have no recollection of what we did during the day all i know is that we ended up going to the windows for sunset mm-hmm. And we made it this time. I think we slept again. We must Did have we go back, back and sleep. sleep again. Must have. We were exhausted. Yeah, wanted to go back uh, eat breakfast and sleep. Yeah, sleep and I haven't even mentioned that this whole time I've got bronchitis and I'm mm-hmm. coughing at crazy, and I'm having moments of just complete dizziness and tired. I, I shouldn't be out, but I wanted to be mm-hmm. out, so I'm trying not to <laughs> pass along. I don't think I was contagious. No one ended up getting anything unless Timison told me that he got something. No, I don't think it was contagious, no. <laughs> but uh, I had that, and unfortunately, I'm not just George Donner. My nickname of GD has changed to TM. I'm also TM. Thanks, Jeff and Tim. Mm-hmm. They gave me the nickname of Typhoid Mary because I came out there with my bronchitis and coughed constantly. So now my nickname is George Donner and Typhoid Mary. I actually kind of prefer George Donner now. I didn't even like that nickname from Rob, but it's better than Typhoid Mary, at least when it comes to my Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-esteem. So I'm Typhoid Mary, bringing the illness in, and so I'm getting sick and waiting and sleeping more probably too. So that's why I don't remember that day. Mm. But we make it to the windows, and I'm out there recording a video talking to my camera, and I'm saying, guys, so here we are. We're going to go out for another sunset, and look at the sky, and you can see these thin clouds everywhere. And Brendan and I are getting so used to this kind of stuff that we're thinking, these thin clouds typically are high enough that they're going to catch that afterglow light Mm. really well and have a burn, like this crazy glow. And so I'm thinking... Uh, guys, in this video on YouTube, blah, 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 we're going to go out, and this looks like it's potentially an afterglow night. This could go amazing. There's not a lot of big clouds, but if these little thin clouds are still around at sunset, and after sunset, when the afterglow begins, the sky could blow up. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, that's precisely, precisely what happened. Yeah, because we walked out from the road quite a bit, huh? And we got out there into the environment yeah we went back to the same spot in the windows where you have mm-hmm. the pull out we park and then those guys went to where you guys had done long lens photography mm-hmm. the night before but pointed the other direction looking at the LaSalle's mm-hmm. and then we Brendan and I hiked in to a part where we were trying to get a cool foreground subject that can be there with the big red rock and then the sky above it and if you're if you're cool with that I want to talk about this one spot with mm-hmm. the shadows and the problem I had there so this time of year And, you know, really any time of year, depending on where you want to point your camera, when you're doing sunset photography and you're trying to capture a subject right in front of you and you're looking away from the sunset, what a nightmare. Mm. Looking away from the sunset, no matter what I did, my tripod had shadows going on my foreground. Right. And it would either over like frame my foreground or it would overlap my foreground and I tried making my foreground this direction but it's just nothing ended up being in the right spot that I could avoid shadows 
And so I was thinking, well, I'm going to try and mitigate the shadows by putting my tripod here, knowing that it doesn't touch the real obvious foreground subject. But as the light changes, before my shadows actually roll over my foreground rock that has really cool orange lichen on it, hopefully the shadows will go and it'll kind of flood the entire area with shadow and my just tripod legs will disappear. Because, mm. you know, a long time lapse of tripod legs, you'll see a lot of movement like clock hands hands mm -hmm, on the clock mm -hmm. and that would just be really obvious and pull all of your eye attention away from my cool lichen rock and so I was hoping that would happen and it did it ended up working but while I was at this I'm looking at the shot and I'm thinking okay from this position what time of the year can I get this same shot but without my tripod legs in the way and I brought up my trusty best friend of the app world photo pills and there is the shadow feature and for the first time ever I used it and so I told it where I was by hitting the button that said okay here's my current location and then I was holding it there looking at my current location and saw where it had the shadow demonstrated it shows here's where the shadow will point and then I just went to the next new moon of every month and I saw has the shadow kind of moved away until it got to its furthest point away and then it starts coming back and so from January all the way through August the shadow kept moving a little bit more each night and August July that was the best time to go back because mm. the shadows will be turned we facing more southeast and I'm looking directly east. And so they should be entirely out of my way of my foreground. I should only see what I wanted to see. And then after that month, you know, August, after that, it starts coming back into position. And that's when it goes to where it comes back into the way in January. So if you're in a situation where you have tripod legs blocking your shot or just you or whatever, you can check your shadows in the photo pills app. It's in the planner and it's just one of those top modules and you just choose the one that has the shadow icon. Mm. And if it's not showing up, you don't see a shadow line anywhere. You either are at noon or in a place where there's just no light showing where the shadows are going. And so you have to make sure you go to a daylight or a moon period at night so you can see shadow. Anytime during the day you'll see shadows, but oh, unless you're in Hawaii at a certain time of the year, there's that's like the zero shadow day. It's crazy. Oh, interesting. Once a year it happens. And then there's the um, nighttime where unless there's a moon, you won't see shadows. So if you can't see the shadow, make sure you hit that button to turn the shadows on and then make sure you're during the daylight or during the nighttime with the, with the moon out. And then you'll see that shadow line and you can actually plan around your shadow line. And that was something that I had to do mm. and I could figure out, okay, when I'm back here in July and August sometime, I'm going to try and get the shot again. And that was one of the things that could have gone better. And I have a second one, but I'll let you talk about your mm. shots because you were kind of changing up you know, different compositions the whole time. And I was stuck to one doing time lapses again. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was actually facing more southerly, which is where you want to be facing, I guess, during sunset, because then you won't get your, yeah, your, your, shadow your own way. I won't be in your way. Yeah. Yeah. I made the worst choice. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the features of the rocks there are so interesting that I really focused in on a part of the ground where I was like zigzagging like these layers were zigzagging up into this stacked rock. And I was kind of focusing on that. And it was kind mm. of a cool, That's cool. cool composition. So I did a, ended up doing a really big panel that turned out pretty good. And um, yeah, it, it, wor it worked out fairly okay. I don't think I really struggled with the shadow like you did at all because no. I was facing um, the right direction for that, I guess. Anything so. profound that went really well or tore it terribly for you mm. in that shot? No, it was just kind of one of those, you know, might be okay. It was, mm. you know, nothing fantastic, nothing really horrible either. So gotcha. it was just kind of a mediocre shot, I guess. Maybe it's, 
I don't know. Maybe if I go back and look at it again, it might be like, this is better than I thought, but I don't know. <laughs> it's funny how it happens when you go back to a shot. You're like, oh, I like this more than I realized. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. So the sky was tremendous. All mm-hmm. of the thin clouds completely blew up. And it's just like we were in an oven of pink. Yes. It's like completely surrounding us. Yeah. And the only thing that didn't go well with my shot other than the shadow was that I focused on this area where there were a lot of clouds and these rocks. And I was out at 15 millimeter, but... You know, it still doesn't fit that much in frame. And because I decided to do a time lapse, I didn't stop when it blew up like that, when it was absolutely gorgeous, like I should have, and done a panorama. Mm. I should have given up on the time lapse right there and not thought, okay, the cool time lapse will go, you know, shadow harsh light to really cool golden hour light to now it's, oh, it's glowing afterglow. And then it goes darker, 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 darker to the end of the sunset. You know, that part of the time lapse wasn't all that interesting and mm. i could have just right there when it was blown up just okay screw my my uh, composition let's get a panorama of this area because when i held out my iphone and did a panorama of the mm. area that's my favorite freaking shot mm-hmm. and because it's an iphone panorama as i'm turning and going sometimes it draws these different shades in the sky and you get yeah. these bars you know you get lines in your sky yeah, the banding you yep, know. the banding i should have said banding so it's just ah, i had just taken my nice camera and gone blip 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 blip, blip and got a panorama of that i yeah. would have a brilliant shot now my iphone pano is a 50 four megapixel shot so i'm not in any bad shape for printing it but i'm going to try it out but i'm still disappointed that i have some banding that i have to go into photoshop and try and mitigate and you know blend in with the surrounding lines Mm. and color so what a blown up sky really fantastic i'll share my iphone shot for you so you can see what i'm talking about yeah but ah it's just if only now i don't have to cry about that so much anymore because i can put that 60 on auto mode and just let it time lapse yeah, and then yeah. pull out my 5D Mark IV yeah. and uh, go to town. So, so excited. I, I was actually more excited about, was it that night that we went to double window, double arch? You know, I forgot to put that in the notes, but you're right. It that was, was that night, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. So after going dinner to dinner and going back out, um, it wasn't even that late really. It was like, we left at like 7-ish, 7.30 to go back out there. Yeah, to, we didn't have to wait until late at night. I think we were all we done around at like dark. 11. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is great about winter, oh, nighttime right. shooting. I mean, if the Milky Way was only more available we'd be out there during so winter, we'd be night. out there for... <laughs> but we could be out. We could, we could get out there a lot earlier, though, too, and not have to go in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night. But, right. you know, um, the window arch worked out really well because we set up a couple of nice low-level lights. We got a great picture that Aaron um, put up on Instagram on our feed, so that was awesome. And... Uh, I love that shot, the double arch. We had the yeah. two lights going, yeah. and it's just uh, blue sky and the orange rock. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a brilliant complementary color cast. Yeah. And the way that the rock comes kind of in from out of frame at different heights, it gives a really cool shape and organicness. And then the double arches in front of you and one going away, uh, it has so much character the framing right from the trail is brilliant. Yeah. You'll see a thousand shots that look just the same, but uh, at this time of year in the Milky Way, maybe mine's one of a few. It is. because of the timing. It is, and a lot of people seem to really be uh, attracted you, to all that. all those people. Yeah. Got a lot of uh, likes on that um, on that shot, so worked out really well. Um, I didn't post my own because it looked almost exactly like yours, and so I just beat you to it with doing a yeah. Snapseed edit. So that's really unfair of me. And the Snapseed edit turned out pretty good, actually. <laughs> I, know, I so. haven't bothered to edit it really. Yeah, because it I'll looks just keep good. that. It looks fine. Yeah. <laughs> the cool thing too is in one of the dimples, one of the like 
little notches in the arch, there sits the Andromeda Galaxy. There's mm-hmm. the timing of where I took that shot. The Andromeda Galaxy was right in there being cradled by that notch. And so it just stands out even more so because of that. And I loved it. Yeah. That was really, really, really good night. Really fun. And the images turned out really good. I'm sure Kirk's and Drew's also were turned out well. Oh, so. yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful night. And thanks, Drew, for bringing your two lights because I didn't mm-hmm. pull out mine. We used his low-level lighting. And we had another chance to show that you don't have to buy the expensive FNV um, light. You can also get just some of these $50, $60 lights, mm-hmm. not the $150 one that I have, and get the same results. As long as you can get a good color temperature, yeah. you'll be set. And yeah. his was set for a nice warm temperature, and it went great with yeah, the Red Rock. it worked out really well. So then the Gossip Sunrise was the next morning, and there's not much to say about this. It was kind of yeah. more macro ice photography and mm-hmm. seeing the sunlight hit the gossips, but we had nothing to speak of in clouds. No, not a single cloud in the sky, which was great because the night before we did Milky Way stuff, and that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But, but for sunrises, it doesn't make very well. But nah. it was cool to see the sunrise and hit the rocks and see where it hit first and to see the graduation of where the sun moved across the red rocks and what was getting Mm -hmm. hit. I was surprised because I thought some of the taller rocks, they must've been in a different position or something because they looked like they were going to get hit first, but they didn't. And so I was kind of surprised by some of that, by some of the rock features that was kind of cool. But, um, Jeff had some ideas that he wanted to do some really good close ups and get some reflections of the ice reflecting, you know, the, the sun, lighting up on these rocks and uh he got some really cool reflections but i think it was basically just practice and experimenting for us and i wasn't really too excited about anything that turned out on my end so yeah I was this is kind of a cool experience but by that time yeah exactly it's been a fantastic week at this point yeah this is now what sunday morning we've been there since thursday mm-hmm. night uh we've loved what we've done and we just wanted mm-hmm. to kind of get rested up for that big night that i ended up not coming I didn't yeah. have good shoes for it. Drew would have loaned me his, but... You, you know, just felt awful, didn't you? I, I did. I had too much going on, and I needed to get some rest. And so I didn't join you guys for False Kiva, so you're going to have to tell me how it went. Well, I felt really bad myself. We woke up from that nap, and I woke up with like a, like a mini migraine, and it was like, dang, this is bad. So I took you know, a couple pills to help, and I took um, Speed, a bunch of water. LSD. And uh, no, LSD oh, okay. isn't coming pills, I don't think. I'm don't not know. sure how it's taken. No I'm, idea. S- I'm so innocent to that stuff. I, I have no idea. <laughs> For all I know, it's a piece of gum. Is that how it works? <laughs> stamps? I'm not sure. Yeah, lick the back um, of stamps. Don't lick stamps from strangers. That's what we were told as kids. <laughs> Licking stamp Yeah. D. What's the D? I don't know. Anyways, LSD. so um, we, uh, so I drank a bunch of water and that was still, my head was just still killing me. So then I drank some something with caffeine in it after that. And then about, no, actually is when I, when we actually got to the Kiva. So it was like a, it was like a good, it felt like a half an hour hike, if not longer. Well, that's not a long hike. Maybe 45 minutes. It's, so it's really a short hike down. It wasn't that long. In the daytime, it felt a lot faster. (laughs) (laughs) Hint, hint, there's a foreshadowing there. Um, It was a lot faster in the daytime, people. (laughs) Let me tell you. Uh, I felt much better when I got to the Kiva and I hung out for about five minutes. I'm like, oh, my headache's starting to go away. I'm like, thank goodness. Like Nature to the rescue. I don't know if it was you. just, yeah, maybe it was the, the atmosphere of the Kiva was so healing. No, it was, um, <laughs> I'm not going to go ultra spiritual in here. 
Um, like that one guy on YouTube is hilarious. <laughs> Spiritual <laughs> AF, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I end up feeling much better. The sun starts to set. There's almost no clouds in the sky. So we're just like, well, okay, we're just going to hang out for star trails and, uh, you know, do some stuff like that. So the Milky Way would have been in the view of the cave, um, but it wasn't going to be there until about, two, I want to say between 2 or 4, somewhere between 2 and 4 a.m. And so we were not going to hang out that long at night. So as we were walking down, like the first, I want to say the you first have to explain it a 10 little minutes. Bit because you went down to the false Kiva, but as you're walking down is how you went back. So I know. Sorry. A little so, bit of the terrain. Um, well, let me, let me, I'm going to backtrack. So when we actually started the, tr- when we actually started the trip is in the afternoon and uh, we were going for sunset and some star trails and we we're going to go back later that night. Um, as we were walking down, there was a guy about 10 minutes into it. There was a guy hanging out on the side up high, like kind of high up on this hill to the left of us. And he's like, I'm lost. <laughs> and we're like, <laughs> and we're like, we just barely started. How do you, how are you lost already? And he wasn't part of our group. And he's just like, his name was Kevin. And he's like, can I join you guys? Like, yeah, sure. So, um, Kurt had been there before, was pretty solid about the track. And so off we went following Drew, following, um, sorry, not Drew, following, um, Kirk. Kirk. And, uh, we got there, you know, pretty good, pretty good time. And so, that's when my headache started feeling better. We stuck around. We took a bunch of things. We did some light painting, which is really cool. They don't, they tell you in the instructions, there's like a little can of like an ammo can with like some a map and some pictures and some instructions and stuff and some history mm-hmm. on the area. And uh, because there's not any official plaques except for maybe like one. And, um, and there's some roped off areas they don't want you to go into. And so we were very conscious about, you know, where we were stepping and, they don't want you to step in the Kiva at all. Yeah, do not go in there. Even though you could tell loads of idiots had done it because there's f- footprints all over it, you know. Oh, gosh, dang it. And so um, it made us want to come back sometime with long broom and brush them all out. You know <laughs> what I mean? And without stepping inside, just walking around it and brushing the footprints so we could actually, like, clean it up and make it look good. But you can't really see those in the, from the pictures. But one of the cool things we did is we did some light trails with the LED light, like, at the at the entrance of the Kiva which is like a little, like there's a little doorway. So the doorway, I did some cool like light stuff. And it was like, oh, that's cool. And so we did some more there. And then, and then Drew, and then, sorry, then Kurt had his, uh, his green laser. And he uh-huh. actually shined the laser inside the Kiva from up, up above. And then did some like twirls and stuff. And we did a long exposure of that. It looks really cool. It looks like, it looks like someone was in there walking around. In fact, it wasn't. It was just a laser pointer. Thank goodness. So what's cool, if you guys want to do something inside the Kiva, get a laser pointer. That's the one one really cool way to to do a cool light trail inside the Kiva without being inside yourself. Um, and so we experimented with some lights that way, and then we started hiking out. And um, I wasn't really too impressed with a lot of my shots. What's funny is I liked the shot that my I took on my iPhone more because <laughs> I went behind a little brick wall that they had set up there up against the back of the cave and from there i got like a kind of a a, a view of everything and uh, with my back up against the wall mostly and and i didn't have anybody else in the scene i just barely got it all in there and um and then Elise, even even at least bender was like i like the perspective it's, and i'm like <laughs> yeah me too it's better than my big camera uh, you know so um 
So then explain the terrain a little bit. So Why the terrain, it's very steep. It's on a, it's basically a cliff dwelling, you know? Oh, okay. And so to get there, you've got to go down these crazy little switchbacks. That's really like, it's rocky, but then it's like really loose. Hmm. Like the ground is soft. And so the rocks are really loose. And so, um, we were joined by another college student that came up, um, just before sunset and he just scurried right up the face of it, which is kind of a hill and you can do it that way. But we went the better way, which was kind of back and forth, a little bit of switchback to get to the coming up and over to the side. So okay. on the way back though, was almost impossible to find the trail on the switchback part, which is the safer part because it was so pitch black. I mean, it was literally just pitch black. And so the trail that is this, the, the, um, it's not marked very well. And it's really hard because it's, it's on a hill that's like really slippery, slopey. And so, or loose. And so there's lots of false trails from it. Yeah. And so, um, we had a hard time figuring out, we got to this ledge and then drew and the college kid went all the way over to this one ledge, like literally like, I think there's like a foot and a half that they're standing what? on before a sheer cliff drop. Yikes. And they went all the way over to the side and they're like, this is a dead end. And we're like, get back here before you <laughs> fall, man. Like, this is a dead end. Yeah, it was nuts. And so they came back and we're like, okay, we've got to get down below this ledge. So how do we get down to that ledge down there? And so, and nothing looked right. It was just totally crazy. <laughs> so you, know? you guys are on this cliff edge, lost, wondering where to go. Yeah, and it was the, nuts. Then this the scene. Cuts I mean, it was mostly to Aaron King back at the hotel, a bowl of Ben and Jerry's, and watching movies on Hulu, and, he's and just laughing. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> As we're like falling to our death. <laughs> but when um. it got when it got you know later and later and later, because you guys were going to come back and have dinner with me by like nine, ten, something like that. It's almost eleven o'clock, and I haven't heard from you. I'm starting to think. Mm. Huh? Where is Faults Kiva? I'm sure someone else will know so that I can alert the authorities to go help me find your bodies. Because where? Yeah, are Yeah, there's guys? no cell reception out there, <laughs> and there was. Um, okay, the crazy thing is both Kevin and Kirk had had set a GPS tracker on their phone, and it just didn't work to track their path, and to get. It took us a half an hour. Because that's get, what I would suggest doing, so you don't have that problem. But yeah. it didn't work. No, because the because the cliff was so steep from where the Kiva is in the cliff dwelling to the actual start of the path, because there's so much steepness that the GPS it just looks like a, blah, blah, blah. it's so just you all have one squiggly blah. Yeah. The squiggly like blob noodle blob because like it can't differentiate the different value and height. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it was just like, it took us literally half an hour to get from the Kiva, <laughs> oh. which took us five minutes right? To, to get from that part of the trail to the Kiva before took us like a half an hour. Oh my God. Maybe not, maybe not even five minutes. Like I, I swear it was like, we were there. I'm like, were they? Oh, it's right there. We're here. And then like two minutes later, we're inside the Kiva. So it went from <laughs> two minutes to half an hour at night to get down, Oh my to gosh. find the path. And we, when we finally got the path, these guys took off. Kirk and I, I was hanging back with Kirk because um, he was struggling with this really steep, steep incline to get back up to the main trail. Oh, I bet. And so, because you have to go down the steep thing, then back up into the Kiva. So we're going back up. It's really exhausting. And that's so confusing to hear. I don't think anyone has any clue. The other four guys like took off and then we lost them. We had no idea where they went. Like so Drew they were following the trail. Or, they found the trail to go back, and we were we ended up going way over this way, <laughs> way back over here this way. And imagine he, that Drew took off. Yeah, he doesn't like to that. hike with us back for some yeah. Reason. And so and because, Come on, Drew, what's up? <laughs> because Drew was like beelining it as fast as he could to get back. Um, these other two guys were just on his tail, 
and they just stuck with them and they all went with Drew. <laughs> and meanwhile, Kirk and I were just like, uh, we'll, we'll find it eventually, right? <laughs> so we went crazy ways. We went up and over rocks we weren't supposed to and shouldn't have, and it was just nuts. And so we finally found the trail the very towards the very end. We could see the lights of the car, but we had no idea how to get there. Because wow, it's still pitch it's black. Bad. Um, our, our, I didn't have my big light on me. I just had my little headlamp. And so I was really just like, dang it, why didn't I bring my big headlamp on this trip? What was I thinking? You have it every other time. Why didn't you have it right? this time? I don't know. I just left it at home. Just didn't decide to with bring it. With my shoes? Just, <laughs> with my yeah, boots. it was just an over, oversight. So, hmm. um, so yeah. Is but, it something that could have been fixed if you had put down some glow sticks? Like, do you oh, want yeah, to go probably. and like, drop a glow stick every once in a while so that you can go yeah. pick them up on your way out? Or maybe even some kind of biodegradable... Um, luminescence thing you could find with like a like a breadcrumb trail you could find with a with the UV lamp or something like a UV flashlight. I'm not sure one of those exists as biodegradable. It's just, oh, urine basically is basically UV. So, so just take a leak as bring, you go bring and a take bag turns. Of pee with you and drip it. <laughs> we all have bags of pee, so might as well bring it with you. <laughs> but I, I mean, there's UV there's UV activated materials like bleach Why and urine and stuff sticks? like that. I don't understand what's wrong with my idea of glow sticks. Glow Why sticks cost more be... money. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a dollar at the dollar store. Anyways, yeah. So yeah, that's one suggestion that we did think about afterwards. Is like you could. Tr- Mark the trail with glow sticks on your way back if you're if you're gonna hike out and at night. Not someone's urine, because we could see the little stacked rocks that tell us where the trail is, but um, they were a lot more difficult to see at the night. You know, so you you have to be on them to see them at night. Whereas uh, with glow sticks, you could probably set them on on the rock. On yeah. the rocks with the glow sticks, that would be a lot easier to see. So, got to do something, but that's crazy. It was False crazy. Keeper. It, it, it was, was worth it in the end, though. A really cool shot. It was really well. I mean, it was a really cool experience. What would be the best experience there? What would be the best shot? Because I'm picturing the, the Milky Way down at the far end. You could see it yes. and the Kiva. Yeah, you want to go in the summertime. It's going to be a lot hotter to hike there Ooh, in the afternoon. Yeah, but the Milky Way is going to come out and be in your shot um, a lot earlier. Instead of waiting until four in the morning, which we were not going to do, <laughs> but the absolute solitude and silence and just peacefulness was just amazing. That's where it's at. I mean, it was like really super peaceful. So it was great. <sighs> yeah. Well, if you can visualize what Brennan was talking about with the directions, then you know exactly why he was lost because it was nuts. It was nuts. Up mm-hmm. and down, overgo, blah, blah, blah. False Kiva, cool place. Let's go, ahead, let's go ahead and take our last break of the podcast and we'll come back with gear time and tip of the week. All right. Hey, welcome back to the podcast, guys. And today for gear time, I want to talk about my experience with Jeff's tripod and nodal slider from really right stuff so, oh, so mm, please don't go out and spend six thousand dollars on a tripod and head <laughs> because 6, it's kind of like that you know it's not that expensive <laughs> but it's pretty close um just the nodal slide and it's part parts were like 800 bucks right um at least a thousand total with everything because yikes and that's just the nodal that slide. was just the nodal slider so yeah um there are other options and i'm exploring some i'm looking at an ebay right now i'm watching a couple items that are similar that might give me similar results so are you gonna buy one maybe and they're around a hundred dollar price so um and i will mention those if i pick them up um but my experience with jeff's made me want to do some investigation and find something similar so Gotcha. His slider was just so cool and beefy that um so what it is is it's it's a head that goes on his tripod and what it does is it has an arm that comes out probably about a foot to a foot and a half. 
And then it has another arm that comes up like the same height, another foot, foot and a half. And then you hook your camera up to it and it allows you to reposition your camera to just the right like middle point. So when you're doing a pano, it's super smooth and it's exactly like where the middle, like the nodal position of like the sensor. And so... I've got a tape measure out. It maybe it's about twelve. Be a no, foot and a half. maybe about a foot. Maybe about twelve inches. It's like a foot. Yeah, I would have a tape measure. Right I bet here. it's about a foot. Yeah, about twelve inches. A foot would probably be a twelve inches long. out and twelve inches up. You know, and then you can slide it too. You can slide it in or slide it up and down and, mm, okay. and position it to where you want it to go. So, and then it really smoothly turned on the head of the on the tripod, and so I got to use this when he had his seventy two hundred set up on the slider. And all he did was unclick his body, pull it away, and I clicked my body in and took my shots with the same exact lens and setup. And I was moving it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> this is so smooth. This is so nice. Never have I done a pano so nice and smooth before. <laughs> and so then I realized, oh, this is why you spend $1,000 on something like this, you know, <laughs> and another two for the, for the legs and stuff. So, And the ball head and all that stuff. It's all just crazy. And so um, – Eventually, I think I'll get there, um, but that's something that's really cool and it's very useful. If you like to do panels like I do, I am now seriously investigating some some hardware that's similar. Um, that's probably between a hundred and one hundred and fifty. I'd say you probably you could probably get something decent between a hundred and two hundred dollars. I'm saying the entire thing. Every yeah. There, well, see, I've seen some carbon fiber arms that come up and then hold your, especially if you have an, if you have an L bracket on your is camera. That more of a gimbal, though. It is a gimbal. But that's kind of what the nodal slider is—is is somewhat of a gimbal mechanism as well. And right. so, it's just that front and back slider is crucial for finding your nodal point, depending on what lens you put on there. True, true. And if you don't need that per se, which I really don't, I don't need to spend a thousand dollars for that. I can spend like a hundred bucks and get a gimbal that would mm. work fairly, fairly similarly as well. Okay. If you've already got an L bracket on your on your camera, a gimbal can look, work really well because I found a carbon fiber one that just goes up like this, and you can hook in your thing and you can you can l bracket back and forth if you want and it's, it's really cool and it was only like 150 bucks something like that so i'm like so hey. when you skip so. the nodal point part and you don't worry about the parallaxing issues you'll have you're looking basically with the gimbal for a benefit of just a really easy really a easy tier, and right mm-hmm. turn left turn another road another row and just do the rows really simply yeah but part of but that's the thing i forgot to mention is part of his setup was that he has a leveling base so a leveling uh. base a leveling base is also crucial because if you're on any kind of an incline or your tripod's just not level you can level your base off and there's and there's some other um options that i've seen on ebay as well uh for about the i think i'd say 60 to 100 dollar range to get a good leveling base and that's, that'll be quick and effective. And uh, you put that under your head. So you put the leveling base on first, and then you put your head on top of that. Then when you level your base, so whether you have a, a gimbal or an auto slide or even just the ball head, you can do better panos by just leveling out your base. And then you can do your sweep across, and you don't have to worry about mm. adjusting every other <laughs> like frame and stuff. So. Right. And just so you guys are aware who maybe have never thought about what a nodal point is, it basically moves your camera to be resting so it pivots at the nodal point instead of where, you know, you connect your camera body. When you connect your camera body back here and your lens extends out from the front of it, it's not the center point. And so when you pivot right from the right to left or left to the right, you end up causing parallaxing with things that are in front of you in your foreground. So if you have two light poles, which you normally wouldn't, but those are out there, 
you can set yourself up to do a panorama that actually puts it at the nodal point so when it shifts, the parallaxing doesn't happen. Basically, mm -hmm. the view of both those light posts stay the same in all of your frames of the panel instead of having this weirdness where sometimes they're stretched out and spread apart and sometimes they're right on top of each other. And when you have those problems, you have stitching problems or you have weird, you know, ghosting and multiple poles and so more editing to do basically yeah, more yeah. editing and so you can avoid all of that by getting the nodal point and then you're truly turning right and left from the exact same position that your lens and body connected has it at its nodal center and it's really balanced and it prevents that parallaxing and so you'll actually move it forward and backward on the tripod based on your lens length and how big it is and then you'll also go up and down to try and find that spot so it's like once you move it forward and you find that nodal point then you put your you put your uh, camera tilted back, do a row, do the next next level, do another row, do a next, tilted all the way down, and do a row. All of those are consistent. And yeah. because they have a consistent origination point, basically, of all of the frames, it's really, like he mentioned earlier in the podcast, a piece of cake. Yeah, the stitching stitch. was super smooth, and it looked great. And uh, just to give you a little bit of history and background, I was, when I was a teenager, I was invited to... Mr. Nodal's house? I was actually invited to go to Mr. Nodal's house, <laughs> and it was fast, fascinating. He's like, watch um, this parallaxing, bro. Yeah. <laughs> he had a parallaxing demonstration that was like none other. No. Um, <laughs> he, I was invited to go to Apple headquarters in Phoenix, and we got to use QuickTime VR a year before it was actually commercially available. So as teenagers, we had to sign non-disclosure forms, <laughs> and we got to use... Um, some ca some digital cameras. So this is back in 1995. Okay, mm. we used the, the Apple digital camera, which is a total piece of HUD now. Um, but <laughs> just to give you some point of reference, the L brackets for doing VR work back then, the L bracket alone was ten thousand dollars. Just the piece of metal. Just for the piece angle. of metal to get your to to get your camera, which was very limited. How many digital cameras there were back then? <laughs> One megapixel was like it. You know was like top of the line. The days of John Stockton and Carl Malone. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. um, the, yep. the tripods and the equipment just to do, just to get a nodal point and to actually do that was 10 grand. And it was like, I, I couldn't believe that. As a teenager, my mind was blown. Like why on earth would you spend 10 grand for these three, three pieces of metal that this is crazy? Like what? Oh, nuts. You know? And so um, now you can do it for a couple grand. And or less. I mean, you can go on eBay and you can buy one for about 150 bucks. That's um, pretty pretty decent. So, um, just took 20 years. It only took 20 years for progress to get there. So <laughs> it's progress, people. But yeah, I mean, it was is it, it, it's, it's awesome. Um, if you're into the pan, if you if you're constantly finding yourself doing panels, then it's something you might want to research and do a little little checking into. Absolutely, that's awesome. And I know that I'm going to get one someday. Mm. Right now. I'm okay with my stitches, but, uh, you know, I'm <laughs> thinking now of the phrase. Snitches stitches, get stitches. <laughs> snitches get stitches. <laughs> so let's go to tip of the week. So if you're like me and you have all of your friends having a constant intervention with you about not processing all your images, even though they neglect the fact that I have so much to do, they think I'm not really a photographer because I haven't proved it. <laughs> and it's my fault. I know. I know Jeff. I know Rob. I know Kirk. I know Drew. I know Brendan. I know Mom. I know Dad. All of you. 
all of you have told me, <laughs> why don't you actually process your images? I am. But if you're like me and you go to this awesome place like Moab for three, four, five days, what are you going to do in the middle of the day? If you don't sleep like we did, you have all this time and you just, you got to bring a computer or a laptop to process on. Because there are people at other workshops mm. there. Jeff was there and Tim were there. They pulled out their laptop. I think Tim pulled out a laptop. Maybe it was just Jeff that had a laptop, but I thought at one point Tim had his. Mm. I can't recall now. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Yeah. Right? And so you just get a laptop, get something, and process your images and get going with them. And don't be like Aaron King. At least where, the ones that stand out most, that you're most happy with at that yeah. moment. And be like, oh, okay, I can work on this Well, now. that would be so much better. Even if I just pulled out three images from mm-hmm. this trip, I'd be better than the photographer I claim to be. Mm. I mean, you guys believe I'm a photographer. I talk about it all the time. I just... I'm a, I'm a tourist with a camera hmm. if I don't actually process my images and share them. So make sure you get out there and process your images on location if you can and take use of the time that you have when you're out here because imagine out there with your battery and your laptop and you're just enjoying the peace still. You're, in, you're out there enjoying the peace still and enjoying the shade and not having to go hike anywhere you got your laptop out boom 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 put that picture up on instagram and as long as you get that picture up before everyone you get all the credit for everyone else's work (laughs) which is what happened to me with the windows i didn't mean to guys drew kirk brendan you guys had awesome shots and you guys did all the work with me with the lights and you've actually touched the lights more than i touched them so technically it was all your guys is doing so well done everybody so yeah tip of the week is don't forget to process your images on location if you can because when you come back you get busy and images just sit on that hard drive sit on the storage somewhere and it just piles up the queue piles up so don't become aaron king i'm still getting around to images that i took in our oregon trip and i'm now going back to looking at like day one like what did i actually like i posted that picture of the tree and then i haven't looked at them since Right. And so I'm like, I got to go back. And like, those mushrooms are cool. I want to look and see which ones actually turn out good. And <laughs> and now I finally got a mushroom shot that I worked on a little bit. Awesome. And some really cool, like 300 millimeter macro-ish <laughs> type wave things that looked cool. Isn't you know. that the best? Yeah. So thank you guys. And we really want to appreciate all those who went out and put in a um, review for us. We have yeah. the names. I'm going to contact you guys directly. Um we have everybody who did the work and picking the top three, I didn't do right before this minute. And so I don't have who are the top three that win the Carson Lumi Loop. I haven't forgotten about it, even though it's February now, guys. I'm going to send you guys the Carson Lumi Loops. I just need to get your address. I need to pick those top three. So look for an announcement of that in the Astro Photog episode that I'm going to do here very soon about the MilkyWayPhotographers.com site mm. slash patron bonus. And so... Thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you, patrons. Thank you, everybody. It's been a fantastic beginning of 2018, and we can't wait to just keep growing, keep going, and tell your friends and family about us if they like photography. I hope you guys will have them join. Yeah. All right, guys. Have a good good one. See ya. See ya.